0: Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes graphic descriptions of violence and self-mutilation, along with mentions of sexual violence. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. There's nothing wrong with a little retail therapy. And there's a certain satisfaction in heading back to your car in the mall parking lot, laden with the fruit of your efforts. But as you juggle shopping bags, keys, and your purse by the driver's side door, you think you hear a sound. Confused, you turn back towards the mall. Then a blade slashes your Achilles tendon, and you begin to fall. Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, Each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today, we examine an urban legend that has been a cautionary tale about women's independence, consumerism, and eventually even gang activity. All along, it's offered as one of the most ubiquitous warnings women hear from teachers, relatives, and mentors. Always check under your car. The Slasher Under the Car and its sister story, The Killer in the Back Seat, which we previously explored, are tales with a concrete impact on the culture of American women. Just as they learned at some point to keep their keys pointing out between their fingers, they were taught to check the back seat and under their cars before getting too close. Millions of women have been warned that there could be a man waiting underneath their cars and parking lots, prepared to slash their ankles and rob, assault, or murder them. As improbable as the physics of it might seem. We often don't examine the physics because the story gets to a primal fear, the way that public spaces can become just as dangerous as private ones. All it takes is one person to break the social contract and a crowd to ignore him. Arya liked to blend into a crowd, Being alone in a sea of people wasn't isolating to her. It was exciting. There was a place amidst the chaos for her to think and watch without any pressure to interact. She loved carnivals, sports games, and crowded bars, but she absolutely hated the mall. People moved in smaller crowds in malls, loose family units and teenage cliques trying desperately to stand out from the throng. Aria was alone, an island to herself that everyone passed, but no one visited, aside from marauding salespeople, and there were a lot of marauding salespeople. But she needed new pants, and she couldn't wait the two days it would take to get them off Amazon. Her shift at the electronics store started in a few hours. She thumbed mindlessly through rows of khakis, trying to find something with practical pockets. A man approached, wearing just the kind of khakis she needed and a polo, the uniform for most retail sales jobs. He asked if he could help her find something. She smiled politely and turned him down. He looked at her and then the rack of clothes. The man introduced himself as Adam and asked if she could be his Eve. He finished it with a wink and a nudge in a bid to be charming. It did not work. Her smile tightened as she declined that offer. Undeterred, he started talking about the outfit she was wearing. Arya was ready to leave the conversation. She turned to make a smooth exit, but he had somehow barricaded her against the racks without her realizing, leaning nonchalantly like a greaser in a 50s movie. She ducked under his arm and walked away. It was Tuesday. Tuesday so there were no small crowds today to hide behind. Instead, the shoppers formed a long archipelago, not enough cover to lose yourself in, just far enough apart to be noticed. Arya ducked into another clothing store, telling herself he wouldn't leave his shift to pursue her. Another guy in khakis and a polo approached her. This time, at least, she knew that he worked there by his name tag. As he talked, she scanned the rest of the store. Adam was watching her through the wide glass windows. A shiver slipped down her spine. She kept her eyes moving, not wanting Adam to know that she'd seen him. The clerk asked if she was okay. She told him she thought so. If she did tell the clerk what had happened, would he even think it was wrong at all? It was a free country. If Adam wanted to follow her around in a public space, that was his right. Even if it made her feel unsafe, he was only looking. The security guard would say this to her if she made a report. There's nothing illegal about looking. Aria wandered around the store for a few more minutes, waiting for him to lose interest. Her eyes drifted over to the windows, casually. He was still watching her with a smile on his face. Her car was on the other side of the mall. She would have to pass by him in order to get out of here. If Arya was going to have any chance, she needed to blend in with another group. She paid for her new pair of pants and waited in the back of the store for an opportunity. A group of girls headed towards the clearance section. Arya moved closer to them. She snuck glances back at Adam as the girls pawed through the clothing racks. He stayed in the same spot. The girls turned to leave. Arya took up a position less than two feet away from them. She kept her pace steady, trying to regulate her breathing. She walked with them past several stores. Someone was walking behind her. She could feel their breath on her neck. Arya refused to turn around. She felt the brush of a hand on her lower back. She picked up her pace. The girls turned into another store and Arya followed them. She talked to a nearby sales clerk, eyes scanning for Adam. She didn't see him anywhere, but she knew that he had been the one behind her. He could be in the store with her now, out of sight. There were too many people for her to monitor everyone who was coming and going. Adam was a generic-looking man, blending into the background with an easy smile and muted features. Even she couldn't pick him out of a crowd. Something skated along her shoulder. She whirled around, but it was just a plastic hanger that someone had nudged while browsing. Arya shut her eyes for a moment, trying to calm her racing heart. It would be okay. She was almost to her car now. A few more stores, a few feet in the parking garage. And then she would be safely inside a metal box. She could do this. Arya took one more deep breath. Then she opened her eyes. Adam was standing right in front of her, smiling and, imagine bumping into you like this, smile. Her eyes widened. She took a step backward, bumping into the rack. He had trapped her again. She looked to her left, then her right. No one could even tell that anything was wrong. She swallowed and decided to make a run for it. It wasn't subtle, and it was very clear she was fleeing, but she didn't care. She threw one glance behind to see if Adam was still following, but his face was a blur among so many others. Her foot faltered and Arya began to fall. She swung her head back to the front, her hands pushing outwards instinctively. Cold tile bit into her forehead. She sat up and rubbed at the aching spot. Several people asked if she was okay. She shrugged them off, searching for Adam. He wasn't in the crowd that was gathering around her. Arya breathed a sigh of relief. He must have seen the help she was receiving and had given up his pursuit of her. Arya sat on the floor of the mall for a second, blocking foot traffic and trying to compose herself. She was okay. Her breathing slowed. Her heart rate returned to normal. She stood up slowly and walked through the store, breathing freely once again. Arya crossed the gray parking lot, searching for her car. She thought she had parked on the first floor, but she couldn't find it. She pressed down on the unlock button on her key. The noise came from above her. She took the stairs and pressed the button again. She was getting closer. Arya pressed the button again. Her car was only a few feet away. She picked up the pace a little, excited to be back in her sanctuary. Her hand went for the door. She looked down at it, belatedly remembering that there was a reason for her trek to the mall. She needed pants. Her bag had disappeared at some point. Arya's hand dropped away from the door. She turned back towards the mall, weighing her options. Then she felt a searing pain through the back of her ankles. Coming up... Aria fights back. Now back to the story. Aria had just wanted to buy a pair of pants. She hadn't wanted a stalker masquerading as a salesperson. He called himself Adam, though she doubted that was his real name. He had followed her around the whole mall with an unsettling smile on his face. All she had wanted was to find a pair of serviceable work pants and leave. Now, however... She'd settle for the ability to walk. Something in the back of her legs had been severed, rolled up like a set of cheap blinds. Arya had never felt so much pain in her life. She crumbled to the ground, tears hitting the pavement before her hands did. She tried to get up, but she couldn't bend her legs without pain shooting up them. The concrete scraped the skin of her palms and her cheek. Someone was coming. Aria screamed for them to help her, to call the police or the hospital, anyone who could help her. Brown boots stopped in front of her. They had been coming from behind. Some kind person who had seen her fall on the way to their car. She looked up, following the khaki pants and polo shirt to an equally indiscriminate face. Adam. In his hands, he held a knife that was still dripping with blood. Her blood. The two falls she had taken today had scrambled her brain. She didn't understand how he knew where she was. She'd seen him leave. Her voice cracked as she asked how he found her. Tears blurred her vision. He smiled down at her. Adam had practiced doing this sort of thing. He knew what limits to cross and where. As far as anyone in the mall had been concerned, he hadn't done anything wrong. Women were predictable prey. They always ran for their car. Maybe before technology had wormed its way into every aspect of human life, a woman might have been able to slip past him. But now, they sent him a beacon in the form of their car alarms. He could wait in the corners of hallways and stairs tracking the noise. His hiding place was always the same. He sighed heavily. Hadn't she heard you should always check under your car? You never know who might be hiding under there. Arya felt sick. Adam's head was swimming in front of her eyes, fading in and out of focus. The blood on his knife was a cartoonish red, too bright to have come out of her body but she felt the sting of air against her calves, the same warm liquid dripping from her wounds. He stared down at her, still smiling, fascinated. Her hands reached out slowly, trying to grab his leg. He stepped around her easily. None of this felt real to her. Her head rolled to the side, the world blurring in front of her. The only spot of focus she could find was on Adam's long, pointed teeth. They jutted out towards her. A flash of silver suddenly crossed her eyes. She squinted, telling herself to focus on the details of Adam. If she survived, she would need to remember what he looked like. He pulled on her hair, a hard tug that seared through her scalp. Everything went black for a brief moment. When the world returned, she felt a physical lightness to her head. Then she saw the strands of hair on the pavement. A clump of her hair was hanging in Adam's hands. He told her it was a little present for himself, for later use, after she'd served her purpose. She was trying to stay awake. The urge to give in was too strong. Every part of her had been decimated by pain, She was hyper-aware of each and every nerve ending in her body. Adam brought the knife down through her palm. She screamed. He told her to pay attention to the pain. To him. There were no easy outs here. She could hear other people walking through the area, but none of them seemed to notice her screams or intervene. She was alone in a sea of strangers. None of them interested in protecting her. No one looked between the cars. Arya begged him to let her die. She couldn't push through the excruciating pain. She just wanted to be free of it, free of him. He told her there was usually more to play with here. The women fought. They struggled to hold onto their lives, trying to make bargains with him as though he were their own personal devil. Arya would not offer him anything. Her eyes went to the knife embedded in her hand. She tried to concentrate, straining to think through her agony. In a flurry of movement and screaming, she lashed out, ripping the knife from her tattered palm and jabbing it at him. He stepped back, trying to evade the wildly swinging blade. Her last slash cut through his pants. The skin tore open, a trail of blood dripping down the khaki. It was a satisfying sight. Adam wrenched the knife out of her hands. He called her stupid. Her palms clenched into fists, and she tried to drag her body farther along the concrete. If she could just stick out a little further, someone would notice someone would help her adam watched her struggle laughing quietly to himself he told her that she was wrong people weren't coming to help her but he liked to watch her struggle she looked better this way aria did her best to tune him out crawling forward inch by slow inch She could feel the rumble of other cars on the concrete. Just one person, that was all she needed. Her body exploded with pain as she bent her knees, trying to pick up the pace just a little. She could feel Adam's eyes watching her, waiting. She pushed farther and farther, her body screaming in agony with each tiny movement. Her torso was sticking out into the road now. The pain had been worth it to get this far. She didn't have much farther to go. Help was imminent. But Adam had circled around her, standing in her place of safety. No one was coming, he told her. No one cared. She was his, and nothing she could do would stop him. Aria heard it before she saw it. 5,000 pounds of metal struck at him all at once, turning him into a broken ragdoll, mangled limbs akimbo and bleeding. His body arched and flew, slamming into a heavy support beam before hitting the ground with a wet and heavy slap and crunch. Even in her blood-soaked haze, Aria smiled. Thank God, that person had been speeding in a parking garage. The origin of the slasher under the car myth comes more from public panic than actual recorded attacks. Folklorist Jan-Harold Brunvand traces this urban legend to a rumor that began in Detroit's Northland shopping mall sometime in the 1950s. This warning to check under your car was just the first Salfo in a series of so-called slasher scares in cities around the United States, including Fargo, North Dakota in 1978, Chicago, Illinois in 1984, Birmingham, Alabama in 1985, and Columbus, Ohio in 1987. The slasher in the shopping mall scares became more frequent around 1990, with multiple cities having incidents in the same year up until 1994. This public panic was largely unfounded, and no recorded incident of mall violence involved a stranger hiding under a car to ambush an unsuspecting woman. The early 90s were very much the slasher under the car's heyday. The Chicago police had to set up a hotline to calm the populace, and Dear Abby herself counseled a girl who was afraid to go to the mall because she'd heard about the slasher. Your letter is thought-provoking, Abby wrote. Readers, before getting into your cars, look under them, around and behind you. No one seems to consider the actual angles that would need to line up in order for an assailant to hide beneath a car and make a clean cut along the back of their victim's ankles. But the story is more about the monster under the bed grabbing you feel than any realistic form of physical attack. One of the interesting trends among retellings of The Slasher Under the Car is its focus on a lack of policing being the real issue. The question of law enforcement's effectiveness fits in perfectly with the legend's final form. Soon, it wasn't just a single opportunist looking to harm you. The parking lot slashings were, instead, part of elaborate gang initiation rituals. The attacker hid below the car, it was said, so that once he slashed at your legs, he would cut off your finger and take it back as proof that he'd completed the initiation task. There are no records of gang members ever hiding under cars in order to attack people. And it is telling that these rumors tend to circulate more heavily in white neighborhoods. There's nothing quite as suburban and safe as a shopping mall. This is why mall-based urban legends violently break that sense of security. But the story persists, despite physics, statistics, and facts. Women are told to check under their cars, but often the real danger is in plain sight, watching. And they have far more efficient ways to harm you than waiting under your car. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new haunted place. You can find more episodes of haunted places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like haunted places for free from your phone, desktop or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Richey. I'm Greg Polson.